Hello, hello. Welcome to my reinvented podcast, Taboo, where we talk about all the things people are afraid to talk about. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm probably going to talk about it. Life is too short for ambiguity. So thank you for listening, and here we go. Hello, hello, beautiful soul. Today, I wanted to talk about the taboo topic of communing and connecting with nature. In a tumultuous time that we are living in, as industrialization continues to be at the forefront of our culture, we've slowly started to see people who others describe as waking up and starting to reconnect with the land. And I wanted to talk about this because it is something that is truly so underrated and critical to the survival of our species, other species, and the planet, quite frankly. And so thinking back to my experiences growing up, I grew up on a farm inside Miami, Miami, Florida, which is kind of ironic since it's such a bustling city. But there's a small space of land that's a couple miles wide. It's called horse country. And I was always outside. I was also fortunate enough to live in a neighborhood called Kendall Lakes in Kendall. And we had a park right in front of our house. It was about four houses down to the corner. You'd cross the street. And we were inside this giant park that was about a mile in perimeter. And I could always go walk, run play here. And I sound old when I say this, but times were different back then. There was no cell phones. There was nowhere near the amount of technology that there is today. And I still remember my mom saying, all right, you and your sister can go play. We used to play with these neighbors who lived across the street from us. And she'd be like, make sure you come home before dark. And we would go, we would run around, we would climb trees, we would roll down the hill, we would lay in the grass, we would play hide and seek, we would play manhunt, zombie, all these childhood games that required nothing but our bodies and our imagination. And it was so much fun. I look back on my childhood and it was filled with fantasy and imagination which is probably one of the driving factors for my love of Harry Potter and Star Wars and all of these other mythical, fantastical, magical series. And as we get older and we start to work and the giant technology boom, we've really lost touch of our inner children, of our connection to the land and in a society that is so driven by the hustle and the constant running around, there's always something to do, somewhere to be, someone to talk to. It becomes hard to tune in to that inner child and listen to what is it that they want to do. I remember a few years ago, I went on a medical trip to Ecuador. And it was my first time going to South America. I went with a group called MedLife. I had no idea who anybody was. I just signed up for the trip while I was in undergrad. It was a medical mission trip for people who were interested in going into the medical field. 
and I met everybody in Quito, all of the people who were going. I think there was like 20 of us. We all landed there, and it was a super cool experience, so humbling, and really just highlighted the abundance of the United States. I remember driving on these bumpy unpaved roads for about four hours till we got all the way to the top of the mountain and the town was called Riobamba, Ecuador. It's obviously still there and I remember it so clearly getting out of that white van and seeing all of these village children running to the van smiling these huge smiles so excited to see who were these alien strangers who had come to visit their land and they're giving us a tour of the property and we saw their classroom which was one small room with little wooden desks that were handmade tiny chairs which had been brought down or up from the city and we were there to teach them basic medicine, teach them how to brush their teeth. Most of these children had never held a toothbrush before. We were educating the parents and the adults in the village on vital signs and the importance of blood pressure and vitamins and handing them blood pressure machines and daily multivitamins and supplements and band-aids and first aid kits. And it was so amazing to see these people welcome us with open arms, these people having an open mind to listen to all the information we had to say because we were strangers and they really didn't have to listen to anything that we told them. I mean, it sounds so colonial, right? You show up to a place and tell them that your way is the right way and that these are the things that will help them when they've all been living off of the land their whole lives. But the part that stuck out with me the most was while we were rotating through the stations because we had stations set up to take people's vital signs and hand out little baggies of medical supplies and educate people about how to brush their teeth. And I remember looking out and the village had created a dirt soccer field on the edge of this cliff. And everything was so lush and green. And when you looked down off the corner, you could see the entire valley. And these kids were just running around so freely, playing soccer with not a worry in the world. Meanwhile, half of the people on our bus could barely catch their breath because the elevation was so high compared to what they were used to in the States. And I remember seeing all their smiles and all their faces and coming back to the U.S., and this was around 2012 or 2013 because I was still an undergrad, and iPhones were the new rage, and thinking to myself, wow, we have so much in this land, we don't even know what to do with it. And going back to living in Miami, I felt like there I was able to commune a lot more with nature than I am now living in New York City. In Miami, I would walk around my neighborhood barefoot. I would walk my dogs around the block barefoot. I would play in the park with no shoes. But once I left and moved to North Carolina, I realized that that's not the traditional way of living for a lot of people. And especially now in New York City, I have never taken off my shoes here in New York City because there are so many 
things that could be potentially on the sidewalk, broken glass. I've seen needles on the floor. And it just creates this distrust in the land because of industrialization and all of the things that come with it. But having spent this past weekend in nature and reflecting on my trips to the Amazon these past few years, I really wanted to take a moment to challenge you to really connect with the land again. And you may be asking yourself, well, what does that mean? It could be as simple as taking off your socks and shoes and finding a beautiful patch of grass and walking through the grass, fully present, without any technology or distractions, looking down at your feet, and just squishing your toes into the ground and seeing how grounding and wonderful that feels on your feet. It could be on a beautiful day laying down a towel or a picnic blanket in the grass and looking up at the sky. It could be going out for a walk in your closest hiking trail or park and just appreciating the beauty of the natural world. If you live close to the water, that may mean going to the beach, squishing your toes in the sand, walking till your feet meet the water, and just being grateful for the ability to cleanse yourself in such a beautiful and spiritual way. Nature really has always held the answers for us. We've just turned our heads the other way and chosen not to see it. But when you really broaden your horizons and you learn about cultures and you spend time with the indigenous, you realize that nature is the only thing that we really need. In the Amazon, there is a plant for every illness, any ailment, any injury. I remember when I went to Naku in the Ecuadorian Amazon that I spent time with Florencia and Manari, who's the Sapara leader. I got destroyed by mosquito bites. And, you know, in the U.S., people would just spray DEET all over themselves. But when you go on these trips, they really urge you not to bring that into the forest because it's not only terrible for your body and your skin absorption, but it's also terrible for all of the plants, for the people around you, for any of the animals. And so I was using natural lemongrass and eucalyptus and these oil blends to keep the mosquitoes off, but it has to be reapplied constantly and I wasn't too great at that. I ended up getting a pretty bad chemical burn from scratching at the bite and one of the members of the Sapara Nation who's actually Quichua he chewed a tobacco leaf to activate the healing enzymes and he placed it on my burn and it instantly stopped burning and itching and about 15 minutes later he left the tobacco leaf pressed against my leg the redness had started to go down and it started to look much better. And I did this for a few days, two to three times a day. And the burn healed amazingly. Probably better than it would have in the U.S. Which is, again, so crazy to see the power of these plants. And the people who live in the jungles, they just know. They've been taught 
as the generations have gone down, which plants are good for what? And when you trace it all the way back to the original elder from the village, when you ask them how they were taught all this knowledge, they usually have all said something similar. The spirits have told them, or while they were working with ayahuasca, ayahuasca showed them. And it's so beautiful to see the amount of healing potential that they've discovered from the land. And this just comes back full circle to my point that we have everything that we need in nature. Just going up to a mountain and breathing in that crisp, fresh air, feeling the sun shining down on your arms and your back as you're climbing or walking, giving you all of the vitamin D, boosting your endorphins. It really does help with anxiety, with depression. And a very strong belief that I have after working in medicine for several years is the majority of people with mental health issues comes from lack of communing with nature, comes from too much technology, comes from being in a constant state of distraction. A trending buzzword that a lot of you may have already heard is something called shadow work, which people are really starting to delve into now. And shadow work is really talking about exactly what it sounds like, facing your shadow, facing your demons. And oftentimes we are so uncomfortable with that. Think about when was the last time you sat down, closed your eyes, no distractions, no voices, no background noise, no music, and just sat with yourself and really took deep breaths. How long can you sit there before you feel like you should be doing something else? Before your thoughts have started running off on your to-do list for the rest of the day or week? A strategy that I've given to a few clients that I've had the pleasure of coaching is to stand in the mirror and make eye contact with yourself. Often we're looking at ourselves through other people's lenses Photos they take of us, selfies we take of ourselves, but those are fleeting moments. How long can you truly stare into the depths of your soul in the mirror? See what comes up for you. What thoughts come to mind? What emotions do you feel? For a lot of people, it's shame. Guilt, embarrassment. But when you can face those demons head on and change your perspective about the experiences that you've had in your life, you don't have to be afraid of those shadow aspects of yourself anymore. And that's a huge part of being in nature. If you're truly in nature, disconnected, with no phone alerts or watch alerts, with no loud music, with no people to distract you. What you're left with is the tranquility of the natural world and whatever your thoughts are going to. Me personally, I enjoy a lot of hiking 
And I've noticed that hiking for me is a moving meditation. When my mind gets distracted and I start to talk to my partner or whoever I'm hiking with about things that I start thinking about, things start to go sour. I start to trip. I misstep. I'm distracted. I'm not fully present. But if you stop talking and you stop thinking about other things and you just think about putting one foot in front of the other, the entire way in which your climbing changes. This past weekend, I was summiting Mount Washington, which I discovered was the highest mountain in the Northeast. And let me tell you, those last two miles were straight up. It was like climbing a Stairmaster, but the last two miles were like doing box step-ups on a box that was like 22 to 24 inches high. My glutes were on fire. My quads were tired and I could have walked and kept thinking, oh my God, when am I going to get there? Oh my God, this is so long. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, it's hot. But I kept telling myself one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. I'm more than three quarters of the way there. I can do this. My body can do this. And before you know it, I was at the top. And that's how our minds work. When we are fully present on what we are doing, whether that's reading a book, writing an email, taking a shower, working out, having a conversation, whatever that activity may be, it flows so much more seamlessly because we've silenced that monkey mind. And that's something that I stress all the time when I teach yoga. Because when we get out of our heads and we get into our bodies, the experience is a complete three or 180 shift from what we thought it was going to be. Our bodies and our minds are capable of so much. And when you spend time in nature, the longer you're out there, the more you realize how instinctively your body knows what to do. instinctively we have most of the answers that we need because at the end of the day no matter how fancy of a suit or a dress we try to put on or how fancy of a title we try to give ourselves we are animals and our animal instincts kick in that's the whole premise of the fight or flight aka our sympathetic nervous system and our rest and digest or our parasympathetic system After you eat a big meal, you sit down and you get sleepy. Why? Because your body knows, okay, I need to focus on digesting and storing this energy for when I need it again. And when you feel like you're in danger or you go to the gym and you start hyping yourself up, your heart starts pumping, you start sweating, your vessels are dilating, and you're saying, okay, it is time to work. And so when we commune with nature, we reawaken those instincts that we've had all along that we know are there deep down in our subconscious. But as we've gotten older, we've learned societal conditioning. Our parents have told us, oh, this is the way that a grown lady should sit or talk. 
oh, this is the way that a young man should present himself or be in the workplace. But what would happen if we stripped away all of those titles, all of those beliefs that aren't our own? Who would we be? What would we be doing? How would we treat each other? And so this week, now that it's fall or autumn and the weather's cooling down, the trees are rustling with the wind, the sun comes out and shines for us a little less than it did during the summer hours, I encourage you to take 20 minutes this week and go outside. Put your phone in do not disturb mode. Silence all the music. If you're going with people, let them know it's going to be a quiet activity and just spend 20 minutes listening to the sounds around you. If you live in a bustling city, see if you can escape that and go to a quiet space, one where you can hear the wind blowing the leaves of the trees, the birds chirping on the branches. And really just tune in to the sound of your footsteps on the ground. If you can, take off your shoes. Walk barefoot. Feel the soil or the grass or the sand beneath your feet. Tune in to that energetic exchange happening as you ground down into the earth. And take a moment to express your gratitude for the beauty of the natural world. For the trees that help provide us with the oxygen we need to breathe. For the colors that we're able to so beautifully see when we choose to appreciate them. For the elements, whether it's the sun, the wind, the rain, And just notice what you can tap into when you've silenced the monkey mind and the distractions of our technological society. If you're interested in true disconnection and the trip of a lifetime, please DM me at Chris Alec or send me an email at Kristen Holistic Wellness at gmail.com. My sister and I are taking people to the Peruvian Amazon at the end of February 2023 because there is nothing greater than learning from the stewards of the land, from the indigenous people themselves who still live there, who live every aspect of their day as if it's a ceremony and a blessing because it is. If you're still listening, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day or night, wherever you may be. Sending you so much love. Until next time.